Welcome to the Bear Marriage Podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Greg. We're from to love, honor, and, vacuum.com. and every Thursday we like to take a look at marriage and see if there are any teachings or any things that we can strip away to get back to what Jesus intended. And I am joined today by my daughter, Rebecca Lindenbach. Hi. Hi. Wait. <laughs> and my son-in-law, Connor. Hi. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and this is my birthday week. Yes, it is. And so we decided for my birthday, or I decided that I get to do what I want on the podcast this week without having to think about what is smart and what is logical and what I should do. And I just get to talk about what I want to because this is my birthday. On the weekend, something big dropped. Yes. It's hard to explain and I don't want to explain it all in the podcast. No, but what we will say is there's a really, really good article on the Wartburg Watch and also Sarah McDougall put out a really good article with an actual yeah. transcript. So basically, Mark Gunger... We were involved in a kerfuffle with him about a month ago, well, a month and a half ago now, and he had made a comment about sexless marriages being a ground for separation. I made a comment on his post on Facebook just saying that sexlessness is actually a symptom of a deeper problem usually, and it's good to figure out what that problem was. Mm-hmm. And then he started attacking and deleting all my followers, banning them, and came on Twitter and attacked me. And it was just a very strange interaction. Yeah, it was just bizarre. There's really no other word to describe it other than just just kind just bizarre. It was. Mm-hmm. And, but in the middle of all that, there was a woman named Lexi who had never seen Mark Unger called out publicly before. And she had gone Mm -hmm. to his church and she had been sexually assaulted. And she and a friend had gone to Mark to talk about it. And they were only 17 at the time. Because uh, just to clarify, because Lexi was not the only one who was sexually assaulted. By the same person. By the Mm -hmm. same person. Mm -hmm. And so they both came forward to Mark. Yeah. And the first thing out of his mouth in that conversation was, what were you girls thinking? Yeah. And so she had left the church after a very negative interaction with Mark. She has left the faith. But she saw me talk about Mark on on Twitter. And so she decided to phone him. Mm -hmm. And so she phoned him and she recorded that conversation and the audio of that conversation dropped. Again, to clarify, because uh, this was in a state that has one-way recording laws. Yes. Now, we are not going to talk about that audio. That's not Mm -hmm. the purpose of this. I want to talk about two quick things that are important for context. And then I want to talk about how we can speak about marriage in a healthy way when we're giving presentations. Yeah. And some of the problems that I have. So here, I just want you to listen to the first few seconds of the audio recording. Ready? Yes. If uh, he was truly a rapist, he would have been arrested. Yep, just right off the bat. If you were truly a rapist, he would have been arrested. Yes, and then later he says if it was actually a major assault, he would be in jail. Yeah, if it's, well, I don't even think he said major. I think he just said sexual no, assault. No, he did say yeah, major, a major, major assault. assault. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and let's let's be real. Only about, what is it, like 1% of rapes that are fewer. reported are even... These kinds of crimes are so often not reported. That's the first thing. And then again, when they are, they're so rarely actually prosecuted. And the reason that this is important... Uh, or the reason that this pertains to me is that even though Lexi called to talk about her interaction with Mark throughout the phone call, he kept turning the conversation back to me. Yeah. Because he had, that was the week that all this was breaking on social media. And so I feature in this conversation. So this is just kind of weird. This audio drops and it's mostly about me, even though it was about Lexi. Lexi. Mm-hmm. So I just want you to listen to this little clip too. Do you know who Shanti Feldman is? No. Do you know who Emerson Egridge is? No. Do you know who... Are you trying to, like, impress me or give me context? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm giving... These are, these are the guys 
um, who are some of the major bear speakers in the world today. Kevin Lehman, have you ever heard of him? No. So, 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 I'm, so I'm talking to these guys yesterday. We're going to, we all, you know, I, I was talking to some of the major speakers yesterday. They all saw this thing. They are talking about coming out with a public letter uh, to condemn this woman. I just love because you can hear Lexi thinking, how on earth is this relevant to yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah. This whole bringing you into it the whole time just shows how much his world revolves around him because he had a, a woman call him who had been abused as a teenager in his church. And I don't think he ever stayed more than two minutes talking about her. No, no, because you said it ended up being more about you than it did about mm -hmm. Lexi. And what I noticed is even more than it was about you, it was about Mark. Yeah. <laughs> I recorded something yesterday that I'll play later in the podcast, just about how I felt hearing that these people had gotten together, especially given how much Mark's message is quite misogynist. At the time where this was all happening, he had memes on both Facebook and Instagram laughing about how women were untrainable, mm -hmm. how we nag all the time, all that. And that was all front and center. And yeah. they still chose to do that. So I found that difficult. Here, however, is what I really want to talk about today and why I'm bringing this up. So here's just one more clip. I have the number one program in the U.S. military. They've been using my stuff for over 10 years. Uh, these are not these are people who keep having me back because whenever you speak for the military, they survey everybody who was there. And I get the highest marks of any professional speaker in the world. And so this yeah, is what I want to talk about. Because a lot of people have said, look, you need to let this go. So people are talking about you. So people are attacking you because of the Great Sex Rescue. Let it go. I actually want to talk about this because of the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. I did a search, Mark Gunger, chaplain, base. Yeah. <laughs> and there were a lot of marriage retreats that came up yeah. in different bases around. And, and I, I've talked to some U.S. chaplains who have used um, this material. And so I, I would like to spend some time today. This is why Connor is here. Connor's going to react because Rebecca and I have seen some of these. I don't think you oh, okay. have. Okay. Oh, excellent. Oh, okay. Looking forward to it. So I, I collected some clips, which we are going to use because of fair use. Connor, would you like to explain the fair use doctrine? Because I know you did this for Emerson Egerich. All right. So not a lawyer here. Anything I should say should not be taken as expert legal advice. But essentially, fair use is all about when it is or is not appropriate to use a copyrighted work of media in your own works. And it is protected under fair use laws in general when it can be considered uh, transformative in nature when it doesn't diminish the original. Yeah, rather so than, commentary. Yeah. That includes commentary. And so, and so yeah. that's what we get into is we get into when it is for purposes of commentary, uh, satire, critique, mm -hmm. uh, any mm -hmm. any of these transformative things. Yeah, like in essence, it's being used to cite our sources. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at a few clips where he's talking about the nature of how sex works between the couple, and then we're going to look at uh, what he says about the differences between men and women's brains. Okay. At some fundamental level, this is every man's basic interest in a woman. He's doing something with uh, markers for everyone on audio. I'm going to explain this. He has a picture of a heart, which he calls the women's heart. Mm -hmm. And this is the key to a woman is her heart. And then below that, he has a happy face representing the genitals. And he calls this the happy place. And right now he's saying this is the key to men. And he's pointing to the, the vagina. This is every the man's vulva. fundamental like goal. One other thing, by the way, I want you to notice, I, I should have mentioned this earlier, but as we're listening to all these clips, 
listen to how he does women's voices yeah. and listen to how he portrays women. Now, women say, that's terrible. That's there shouldn't be about that. It should be about companionship and fellowship and sharing. Girls, if your husband was interested in companionship, fellowship, and sharing, he'd have gotten a golden retriever. Woof. <laughs> so all men are interested in sex yes sex and, and if they want more they can get that from someone else the only thing that they want from you is sex because if they didn't want sex from you they would just go somewhere else yeah because there's other sources yeah. of companionship mm -hmm. that are better than you yeah yeah god wired men but what men fail to understand is the key to this is this and if a man successfully touches this she gives him the green light, and now he can touch this. Okay, so he's explaining again that the way that men get to touch the genitals is by touching her heart. Yeah. Which is not necessarily a bad message overall. The problem that I have is that it's gendered. That buzz hits you again. Remember, oh, be nice to the girl. 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 I gotta be nice to the girl. And, and, and this is what motivates me. I, I, I so the reason men have a sex drive is to motivate them to be nice to the girl so that they can touch the happy place. Because otherwise they wouldn't be motivated to be nice to the girl. Also, I will say, I know that this is somewhat generational and that older men tend to use infantilized words for women a lot more than younger. Mm -hmm. But it just feels very weird and fetishized to call your sexual partner, like, girl. Mm -hmm. instead of wife or woman it just feels icky mm -hmm. to have like a grown man call men husbands men and call women girls well here actually i have another clip i was going to play at the very end but maybe i'll play it now to that, that gets on with that exact thing i tell women all the time if i had a pill endorsed by dr oz where every study ever done said if you take this pill it'll make you happier healthier, less physical pain, less mental stress, and guaranteed to live years longer. You know these chicks. They lie up for hours of buying that stupid pill, okay? That was a TV show, and he called women chicks. Yeah. And I just have an issue yeah. with that, too. So the way that he's addressing women is problematic. Yeah. Then he goes on for several minutes telling women why they're really stupid to give men sex before marriage, okay? And this is only directed at women, it's not directed at men, only at women. Just to give it to them, you would be a nitwit, a moron. That's what women are doing today. They're coughing this up front, which is every man's basic fundamental interest in a woman. You've already given him everything he wants. And then he sit around saying, well, aren't you gonna, aren't you gonna marry me? Aren't you gonna spend more time with me? Aren't you gonna He's not. Why won't? Because you're an idiot. That's why I don't do that. Give him that thing. You make that bar. Earn it. Mark, what were you thinking? Yeah. When we talk about men like this, where if you give a man sex, he has all he wants and he will always leave, then why on earth are we surprised when we've in essence groomed women to marry bad men? Mm -hmm. Like, I am sorry, there are men out there who, you know, if you are dating and you have sex or something, like even if both of you had pledged to wait, mm -hmm. they're not going to just leave. It's like, oh, well, I got mine. 
Mm-hmm. Like, they're not. There is a difference between good, honorable men and men who think like Mark Gunger. I also think, like, Connor... Yes. <laughs> do you know any women that you have good relationships with that are not your wife? Yes. <laughs> and is your fundamental interest in them sex? And your wife sitting right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It, it's it's absolutely not. Like I have as many female friends as I have guy friends because yeah. we just we interact in the same areas. You yeah, know? exactly. It's like if I'm in a class back when I was in university. If I was in a lecture and half of my classmates were men and half well, of my let's classmates be honest, were you were women, in psychology. Eighty-five percent of your classmates. Eighty-five percent of my classmates were female. Like all of Connor's yeah. school friends were all women. Yeah, it's just. They're just people. Yeah. yeah. They're not sexual objects. They're just people. And so why is it so hard for me to just be friends with them and, and treat I, them totally different from And my I wife? think the thing that's difficult here is people will say like, oh, well, it's just comedy. There is a level where this is comedy, mm-hmm. right? And if people come at us and say, you know, well, it's just comedy, just get over it. It's just a joke. That is a very valid critique mm-hmm. if he were only a comedian. Mm-hmm. If he were just a comedian who had his comedy shtick and it was one of the best selling in the country and it was just a comedy special. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have any problem with that. Mm-hmm. There are sexist and misogynistic um, comedians out there. There's also like feminist comedians who make fun of men and women as well. Like mm-hmm. that's just kind of what comedy is. You're, mm-hmm. you're supposed to rely on stereotypes to a certain extent and it's just like you're allowed to laugh at the masses. And yeah. But the problem is that he's not actually representing himself as merely a comedian Mm -hmm. he's using his comedy specials to teach marriage conferences Mm yeah and so this isn't just comedy what he's saying is here's my comedy special now go and apply it to your life yeah 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 and i want to say too one of the big problems in both the u.s and canadian military i don't actually know what's going on in the u.s military i know what's going on in the canadian military right now Mm -hmm. we've had a number of really high profile scandals we've had like five people very, very high up in the military who have had to resign in the last like six weeks, I think, because of sexual assault allegations. And so what the military wants is for men and women to be able to relate as people. Yeah. Not sexualize everything. Yeah. And certainly not in terms of power imbalance and sexual certainly assault. Certainly not be misogynistic because then, right. you know, they're going to have even more sexual assault. We know that. Yeah. So to say that this is the only reason men like the fundamental thing a man wants is yeah. that's that's well, problematic. And this is also what happens with women like Lexi, who when there's children, remember mm-hmm. she was 17 years old, mm-hmm. when children go to their pastors and say, you know, this man, because I think he was over he was, 18. Yeah, he was. When a child goes to their pastor who believes this kind of thing, like, well, men only want one thing and they teach this kind of thing, they assume everyone else already knows and believes this as well and that mm-hmm. this is true for everyone. And so when a girl comes and says, I was abused, I was assaulted, I was raped, mm-hmm. and, you know, she says something like, I was kissing him or something, he says, well, what were you thinking? Mm-hmm. He's a man, isn't he? Yeah. What he is saying in majority of people's lives will not lead to rape apologetics, I don't believe. Mm -hmm. But it did for Mark, Mm -hmm. I honestly believe that, because of how he spoke to Lexi. There is a very common trend between believing misogynistic things about men and women and then later having rape apologetics beliefs Mm -hmm. and it's not hard to see how you go a hop skip and a jump from well she was making out with him and then he raped her well what on earth was she thinking she's partially to blame yeah right and again this is a big problem in military culture and so is this really what we want yeah to be teaching okay now every woman's 
basic interest in a man is this. The heart. What a lot of women fail to recognize is the key to this is this. The smiley face between your legs. And if you touch that, he gives you the green light and you can touch this. So you can only actually be emotionally vulnerable and intimate with a man after you've allowed him to penetrate you. But you're not allowed to do that until after you're married. Mm -hmm. A lot of women treat this like it shouldn't, like a side issue. It should. It is not a side issue in marriage. It is the central issue. Sex. It truly is. And I'm going to really explain this in greater detail tomorrow. You get this right, things will flow a lot better in your life. You try and discard this. Oh, it shouldn't be about that. He shouldn't be interested in sex. Yes, a pig. You are fighting now against your own interests doing it that way. You've got to be smart about this, girls. The key to this boy's heart. You know, they, they used to say when I was growing up that the key, the, the key to a man's uh, heart was his stomach. Uh, but they were about six inches too high. <laughs> and, and this is important. I, I got to tell you girls, if it weren't for this, we probably really wouldn't deal with y'all. If it weren't for sex, we probably wouldn't even deal with y'all. That one really grinds my gears. Like, I mean, they, they all do to an extent, but that one just really punctuates it quite well. It's, mm -hmm. just, it's just so frustrating and that again, these mentalities are so prevalent. And this is a website. This is a blog, like my blog, where I believe sex is important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I believe sex is key. I want to rescue sex. I want to make sex wonderful in your marriage. And so we're not trying to dismiss the importance of sex. No. But when we say that he doesn't actually care about you. He doesn't have to love you. He's not going to show you love. He's not going to be caring towards you. You're not going to be able to connect with him emotionally until you give him sex. Mm -hmm. That enables abusive behavior. Mm -hmm. And not even just abusive behavior. It, it enables emotional immaturity. It enables selfishness. It enables entitlement. Mm -hmm. It enables all the things we don't want in a spouse. You know, for the Great Sex Rescue, we had a chapter originally that got taken out mm -hmm. um, on, on the transactional nature of sex and how that's, that's a really negative way of talking about sex how if you want this you should give him this yeah. and if he wants this he should give you this so if you want sex he needs to pick up a tea towel and do housework kind yeah. of thing and we just didn't have enough examples because we had never looked at Mark Gunker's videos if yeah. we had looked at this we probably would have kept that chapter yeah. in <laughs> yeah. and, and, and here's here's I think how, how I'll say it is the problem is he's setting up sex to be a threshold that women need to pass. They need to sexually satisfy their man for them to get the important parts of a relationship, the heart, you know, the caring and the compassion and the companionship and everything, which really gives bad guys a lot of license to just say, well, you know, look at this, look at this uh, marriage speaker here. Uh, as you can see, you're not quite meeting my sexual threshold. So of course, I'm not able to give you the stuff that you want, because you haven't met my demands yet. And who really gets to decide what those are? It's often going to be the man. I also find it really funny how before marriage, we're all told that like, the reason you wait for marriage is because you want to make sure you have a real connection, not just a sexual one. You want to, you know, be totally committed. You want to be totally vulnerable. And then we get married and people like Mark say, yay, can't be connected, can't be vulnerable, can't even know who he is unless you give him vagina. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like it changes the minute you get married, mm -hmm. which means one of those is a lie. Mm -hmm. One of those must be a lie or else both of them are. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it's, uh, I definitely know the one after marriage is a lie. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. that is not how men, that's not how healthy men are. I think there are a lot of men who are like that. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of women who are married to men who will say things like, well, maybe I could be nicer to you if you'd actually put out once in a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of men like that because this is what they're taught. Yeah. A big part of what he talks about too is not just sex, but about how women's and men's brains are different. We'll listen to two clips in a row. One of what men's brains are and one of what women's brains are. Mm -hmm. Each other. Now, I want to start with men's brains. All right. Now, men's brains are, are very unique. Men's brains are made up of little boxes. And we have a box for everything. We've got a box for the car. We've got a box for the money. We've got a box for the job. We've got a box for you. We've got a box for the kids. We've got a box for your mother somewhere in the basement. We got, we got, we, we got boxes everywhere. And, and the rule is the boxes don't touch. Now, women's brains are very, very different from men's brains. Women's brains are made up of a big ball of wire. And everything is connected to everything. It's one of the reasons why women tend to remember everything. Because if you take an event and you connect it to an emotion, it burns in your memory and you can remember it forever. The same thing happens for men. It just doesn't happen very often because quite frankly, we don't care. So he's saying that women are emotional and men aren't. Yep. And remember, we know that if you're going to be healthy, mm -hmm. we need to actually be emotionally healthy. Yeah. We had this whole series on that. I'll put a link um, in the, the blog post that goes along with this and in the um, podcast What's it called? The podcast thing. The, the pod podcast notes. The podcast notes. That's the yeah. word. I'll put a link in the podcast notes to that um, that series on emotional maturity and emotional yes. health. But this trope that men aren't emotional and women are, first of all, it's not true. But actually what Mark is saying is true. Mm -hmm. That's what I find so funny. Yeah. What he's saying, because he's saying that men compartmentalize and women don't because women care and men don't. Mm -hmm. That's actually exactly what research has found is we all do this with the stuff that we care about. It's just that men are more likely to enter a marriage and then just happily put it all on the woman's shoulders. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And here's what I think these days, whenever I hear this argument about the waffles versus the spaghetti or anything like that, is I think a lot of it ties back to like that series that you did a while ago on emotional labor. Yeah. And I think that factors in so heavily because... And that's brilliant. And I want you to hold that thought. Okay. Because okay. <laughs> we're going to listen to the next The clip, final clip. Which is exactly what okay. this is. Yeah. Now, men, we have a box in our brain that most women are not aware of. This particular box has nothing in it. It's true. It's true. In fact, we call it the nothing box. And of all the boxes a man has in his brain, the nothing box is our favorite box. So I think an alternate title for the nothing box should be the privilege box. That box, I think, yeah. is a luxury rather than a feature. 
I used to relate quite well to the whole box theory and the nothing box. Like I could just have nothing running through my mind and I could very easily compartmentalize the things that were important in my life that I was going through. What I realized, you know, just through the course of being married and, you know, getting into the occasional argument or needing to communicate and get better at things like housework and, you know, making sure that I'm respecting Rebecca's time and the effort that she's putting in with things around the house and everything like that. Sorry, and I shouldn't say just around the house. That's reductive. Just with general things in life. What I had to realize is that this was actually an area I could really improve. And for anyone who's had to have more involvement with raising their kids than just, you know, taking them for half an hour while they watch TV, but actually, okay, I need to take my kid on a walk, which means I need to make sure he's got sunscreen. I need to make sure he's got all the right clothes. I need to think about what the weather is going to be. But also... And at the same time, I'm thinking, when we get back, we're going to be having lunch. What's he going to have for lunch? What are the issues he has been having with feeding and with pickiness? What's some research that I've been looking up lately for strategies to help us overcome pickiness and make sure he can develop a healthy diet? Like, when you actually get into it, a lot of the stuff that's just typically been put on the woman's shoulders, on the wife's shoulders, I think, in a lot of traditional marriages... You can't compartmentalize. There is so much going on and mm -hmm. you need to be trying to tackle all of it at the same time. So yeah, that nothing box, that's a luxury, not a feature. And when you get involved, you realize there's a lot of spaghetti going on in life. Mm -hmm. And you can't just rely on your partner to sort it and fold it all nicely and neatly into boxes for you to process. Becca, when we were first talking about this um, ages ago, you said something really smart. And I'm going to quote you because you might forget you said this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you said, it's easy to think about nothing when you don't feel responsible for thinking about everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's exactly what you were just saying, Connor, yep. too. Mm -hmm. It's easy to think about nothing when you don't feel responsible for thinking about everything. And the, also, the reason I know that is, frankly... Because also, like, when Connor, like, when you have the kid out of the house for a while, when it's my day off, I actually can relax mm -hmm. and, like, totally turn my brain off. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And and that's the difference is when you don't feel like there's anything on your shoulders, yeah, it's really easy to slip into just nothingness. Mm -hmm. And that's not unique to you because I don't think that's something you were really able to do nope. as much earlier on in our nope. relationship when I wasn't stepping up. Nope, never. That's just the thing is it's not a gendered thing. It's about whether or not you choose to care mm -hmm. or whether or not you're willing to let the caring be someone else's job. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair. It's not fair to make someone else care about the stuff that you should be caring about. Yeah. You know, it's not fair to make someone else care about if you have clean socks for Monday. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. fair to make someone else care about if you have clean dishes yeah. now, for dinner. Now, to be fair, I cared about whether your dad had clean socks on Monday. Yes. Because we were in a situation where he was doing most of the work outside the home. Yeah. I was doing most of the work inside the home. And so that was fine. Now, he never had a nothing boss because when he was home, he was worried about patients and he was yes. like, <laughs> lots of people have. But again, like he was caring about something. But right? yes, like, he did. Yeah. It's not the specifics. The specifics you guys can mm -hmm. figure out as a couple, mm -hmm. you know, but it's not fair to never have to care about anything except for what's directly in front of you yeah. right now, because yeah. then what you are doing is you are making someone else treat you like an adult, yeah. even though you're not acting and like this one. Is, this is part of the big critique that I have with a lot of marriage teaching. It isn't just Mark. He's obviously an example of it, but there's a lot of marriage teaching which relies on explaining how things tend to be and then telling people, so therefore you need to adjust to how things tend to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As opposed to saying, 
okay, the way we're doing things in general is not healthy. Yeah. That's just the critique I was about to make. Like, there's a lot yeah. of gendered marriage teaching that is really compelling because it is a current fact yes. of how things are. But the answer is not to say this is a universal fact of how things are. Well, I mean, there's a big study that found that the average man does less housework after he gets married and the average woman does more mm -hmm. after she gets married than she did before. Yeah. Whereas mm -hmm. the average man did more housework before he got married than he did after. And which so, means they're capable, yeah. they just stop. And there's a difference between something being true and something being the answer. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But even if it were true... Let, let's say that even if this gender stereotype was true, and by the way, we know that it's not, I think you were the one, you, you pointed this out to me last year when we were doing the emotional labor mental load series, I was saying, but women are better at multitasking and you said, no, no they're, they're not. not. <laughs> and I didn't practice. believe you, but you showed me all the studies that show yeah. that no, it's just that women are, have more practice and get yeah. better at it. And yeah. they expect it of themselves. Yes. Yeah. Whereas men. Which is frankly the same reason why the average man has more automotive and handyman kind of capabilities than the average woman because they expect it of themselves. Mm -hmm. Right? Women expect to be able to look at a room and see what needs to be cleaned. Mm -hmm. Men expect, and again, this is all very gendered, so this is not going to be every single one, but the majority of men expect to be able mm -hmm. to know maybe, I don't know, what a drill versus a sander is. Mm -hmm. Whereas the average woman might not necessarily, unless they're really into DIY, expect that of yeah. herself. So there is that. Um, yeah, but it's not a capability it's issue. It's not a capability issue. It's just the way that we tend to do things. Let's say, however, that it, it truly was a capability thing. Yeah. Let's say that women on the whole were more like this. Is this even still helpful to teach? And let's use love and respect as an example. Love and respect is based on a study, which we've already debunked, so I won't go there, but where they were really excited because they found that 72% of men chose respect over love. Again, we don't think that was accurate, but nevertheless, 72% of men chose respect. And, so, and then, without giving any numbers, they said, and women choose love. Yes, and... Mostly and because of... In love and respect, Emerson Egrich, the only citation or proof he gives is that Hallmark cards are primarily sold to women and they talk about love more than they do respect. Yeah. Right. So that's the proof. But let, let's, <laughs> let's give them it. Let's say that 75% of men choose respect and 75% of women yeah, choose respect. Yeah, there's even a higher number of men yeah, who choose respect than they found. Now, I don't think that's true. No. Studies have shown that women choose respect in the same numbers, but let's, let's, let's give them the best case scenario. Yeah. 75% times 75% equals, and I did this before we recorded, so I know mm -hmm. 50%. 56, is it 56.25 or 56.5? I think it's 56.25% of marriages. So even in the best case scenario... You're only barely over half. It's barely over half. Yeah. You're getting a 56 on the on the essay. 56 yeah. on an essay is not a good grade. And yet they're portraying this as the answer for all marriages. And yeah. this is why we need to stop with the gendered stereotypes. 75% mm -hmm. is a pretty big number. Mm -hmm. Even if you had 75% of men doing things one way and 75% of women doing things another you're still only hitting 56% yeah. of marriages. And so let's just stop. And instead, when we're doing marriage conferences, let's just talk about healthy principles. Yeah, and that's the yeah. thing. is like if, you, if love and respect was entirely based on how to show your spouse both love and how to show your spouse respect, and it wasn't about gender, and it wasn't about like how women need to show respect and men need to show love, but it was just about how both spouses need to show love and respect to each other, mm -hmm. I don't think... I'd have a problem with that book because first of all, a lot of the problematic elements would have to be removed because yeah. you can't tell women who are expected to also deserve respect that they don't need it 
Mm-hmm. In our um, rubric of healthy sexuality teachings, 12 point rubric, uh, the books that scored the best were not gendered. Yeah. They were just simply giving healthy principles of how to be, how to have an emotionally healthy marriage. Yeah. And that doesn't involve nothing boxes and, and transactional sex and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. Or understanding how men are. Because, no. you know, what's important is understanding your spouse and no book is going to be able to tell you how your spouse is because mm-hmm. your spouse is unique. My call for the military, mm-hmm. you know, which is an organization which really needs healthy marriages and which does have a lot of abuse issues and a lot of just trauma issues. And, yeah. well, and have... their marriages are already going through so much with deployments and, Yeah, you know, just... I mean, even my daughter, my daughter Katie is married to someone in the military and he's just, you know, they're just separate a lot just for some training and courses mm-hmm. and it's hard. It is really hard. Yeah, there are a lot more demands on a military marriage. Yeah, and they do not need stuff like this given to them as the solution. But yeah, I remember this one time I was I was speaking at a chapel at World Vision Canada. This was many years ago. And my point was how do you get from point A to point B? And I was using an illustration and I had a map up there and I was trying to fold the map. And I was making yeah. fun of myself because I can't fold a map. Mm-hmm. And I was making fun of how I can't give directions on a map, which is true. I'm really, really bad at it. Yeah. And nobody laughed. And I didn't realize how sexist I was being at the time. Mm. You know? And Because I was making a joke that applied to me. But the mm-hmm. way that I was saying it... Made it sound like, oh, typical woman. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't know up from down. Exactly. And, you know, can't fold a map and needs a man to fold a map. I actually do need a man to fold a map. But, like... <laughs> but that's dad because he's really good at folding maps. Yeah. <laughs> but I realized, like, this is not a helpful thing. Now, the rest of my talk went really well and I managed to bring the audience back. Yeah. But I realized then... You know, this is especially because that was a workplace situation. And yep. in workplace situations, it's even Because women worse. are seen as capable. Yeah. And so to give that kind of info in a workplace situation, it's even worse. Well, in the military, there's a lot of women in the military now. Mm-hmm. Let's just not do the sexist stereotypes. Let's just let's... not allow misogyny into our marriages, into mm-hmm. our workplaces, into our chaplaincies, into mm-hmm. our churches. Because whether or not, like, Gunger himself sees himself as a misogynist, the things mm-hmm. that he is talking about are misogynistic tropes. Yeah. They just are. Yeah. Silly women don't understand men. You know, men are just simpletons that women have to put up with. Ironically, men are simpletons is a very common misogynistic mm-hmm trope because the men are not expected to not be simpletons because men are great the way they are and why can't women just get with the picture why can't women just put out and accept their men for the way they are and I think that this is just something that we see over and over and over again what I find so interesting about Mark is that in a lot of ways I actually think he agrees with us yeah like he's that's why I was so surprised when he got upset when I said that about sexless marriages yeah because he has actually been a really good champion for women in difficult marriages online like the whole point of that series he was doing was how hey we gotta let women separate when men are treating them badly with porn or like good for him like that was good that he was doing and so we really i do want to say to everyone we did not expect the vitriol and the frankly the narcissistic temper tantrum that we got from mark online i think he had a woman preach on mother's day someone yeah like like, it seems like in his day-to-day life currently regardless of what he said like in the like i I don't mm -hmm. i don't want to necessarily say like mark is this or that because i think he He's trying to do the right thing for the most part, but what happens is whenever it ta- it, it it goes on his ego, mm-hmm. that's when he seems to kind of just back down. And so it makes yeah. it very confusing that he's siding with people like Egrich and Felton and Lehman, yeah. who 
are promoting things that he actively teaches against. Yeah. And it does make me wonder if for people like Mark, who are so obsessed with being the number one speaker for the military and the best rated this and everyone loves me, is the mission truly about helping marriages mm -hmm. or is it about helping Mark's platform? Mm -hmm. And that's just what I want all of these authors to ask themselves is what is your true mission and are you proving that with your actions? Mm -hmm. Because our actions show what we're not willing to tell ourselves. So when these people say things like they want to build up women, they want to build up marriages, but then they consistently side with people who don't even agree with them, but they're famous. Yeah. You have to wonder mm -hmm. what is the actual mission here? Mm -hmm. Who is the actual goal? I just hope that authors are willing to hold themselves to their own standards mm -hmm. and to actually live out what they're speaking. And these, these speakers and pastors, because they can say things that sound really great. Like, mm -hmm. I stand up for women. I care about women. But if you're aligning yourself with people who line your pockets, not mm -hmm. who protect the vulnerable, mm -hmm. then who are you really serving? And, you know, Mark's actually very funny. He, he is. is. He has great timing. Oh, he's so charismatic. But I just want to ask... There's no need to get laughs by making fun of women and all the voices of women that he does are very... And again, and this is a very typical comedian yeah. shtick. It yeah. is. And so if you were just a comedian, wouldn't even be commenting on it. Yeah. You but know? also I do want to, I, I do also wouldn't want really to make the point like that with all, you know, with, with all the, the charisma and the other things that we can say about how in these areas he is on the right track. At the same time, I also do think it's really important that he do take accountability or make a sincere apology for like the handling of the Lexi situation. Yes, he that's, Lexi that's deserves huge. a big apology. Yeah, we yeah. don't want to we don't want to minimize no. what she went through when we say yes. that Mark no, Unger is not a horrible, horrible human being. It's long to listen to the audio of that phone call. It's about twenty five minutes long. If you don't want to listen to it, I don't blame you. It's a very <laughs> convoluted story. But if you have two minutes. Yeah. Um, I will put a link to the Facebook video that Lexi posted of a clip of his sermon the next day where he referred to the phone call um, as he was introducing communion and just uh, I've, totally... I've never seen anything that bad. No, like Joanne and I had a visceral reaction to how he said, anyway, let's go to communion now after what he said about Lexi. Yeah, the way that he portrayed Joanna and call. I felt sick yeah. afterwards. Yeah, and that was a big problem. So yeah. we want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he really handled this very badly. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and so he, he owes Lexi an apology. He needs to do some soul searching. And we just ask that from now on, when we look at marriage teaching, we get more critical and we say, if this is representing where the majority of couples are, is it still helpful? Is this the way it should be? Mm -hmm. And also, is it helpful to talk in gender stereotypes? Yeah. So just ask those two things because there's a lot of marriage curriculum that does talk about emotional health and that doesn't use gender stereotypes. And maybe mm -hmm. that's what we should be aiming for. It's just me now. I want to record something personal. You've just listened to all of the logical stuff and all the logical arguments and the logical reactions to uh, the Mark Gunger thing. And I'm actually recording this before we recorded all that other stuff. This is me on the weekend, and this is just me being emotional about it. And maybe this is a long time coming, but when I heard that recording, I was really shocked. Not shocked about Emerson Egerich, to tell you the truth, because from all of my interactions with him and from his book, 
I have never seen anything where he does respect women. And so that didn't surprise me. But it looks like Shanti Felton was the main one that Mark talked to. And I could be wrong about that. But when Mark wrote his post about me, it was mostly about stuff that Shanti had told him. And he linked to Shanti's statement about me. My guess, and I could be wrong on this, and I look forward to maybe Shanti's setting the record straight if I am wrong, is that Shanti contacted him and not the other way around. That Shanti and Emerson and Kevin Lehman saw what was going on that week in the interaction with Mark Gunger, and they contacted him. Because I don't know why Mark would know to contact them, but I know that they're watching my social media and seeing what I am saying, and so I can see how they would know to contact him. And he repeatedly got Shanti's name wrong in the recording, which again makes me think that he wasn't that familiar with her, but she contacted him. In her statement, she said that I wasn't going about this the kingdom way, meaning my book, The Survey of 20,000 Women, that I wasn't going about it in a kingdom way. Well, let me tell you how we tried. After we read Love and Respect, we did everything we could to do this properly. We went to focus on the family privately and we said, hey, here's a huge report of all of the stories of abuse that are coming in from women who were abused because of this book and they ignored us. And if they hadn't have ignored us, we would not have even done that study of 20,000 women, but we did. And then when we had the results, we went to Shanti personally and she said, no, it's okay. You can publish what you want. I don't believe I actually taught that. And so we did. And now that she's getting this backlash, she's reaching out to Mark Gunger. And so let's just set, let, let's just set the stage here about what's happening. That week, those interactions with Mark, the, the first thing on his Instagram feed was that cartoon of the kangaroo saying that women were untrainable. His Instagram feed was full of misogynistic memes about how women are untrainable, about how we nag, about how terrible women are. In his events, he literally says, if it weren't for sex, we wouldn't have anything to do with you. Meaning men wouldn't have anything to do with women if it weren't for sex. That is his view of women. And she decided it was better to side with him against me. And I'm the one who's not doing things in a kingdom way. She saw him call me disgusting. She saw him say, sadly, she's real. That I'm arrogant, that I'm poison, that I'm psychotic. He called me the patron saint of unfulfilled women and then in the comments when someone said, I'm so unfulfilled that no one will touch me with the 10 foot pole, he laughed at that. And they all still decided that it was better to side with him than to deal with the fact that 20,000 women filled out a survey that showed that their books harmed. And it's not that we asked, do you think these books harmed? It's that we measured their marital satisfaction, their sexual satisfaction, and then do they believe any of these things? And we found the most harmful beliefs, so we correlated everything, and then we found these are the most harmful beliefs, and then we went looking into the books and we found which books taught them. Why don't you just admit that you said something wrong? It isn't that hard. 
You know, I have admitted that I said things wrong. I have apologized for things. I've taken podcasts down. I've taken books out of print. I've amended other books. I've changed blog posts. I have no problem with that. Like really, when I, if I've said something wrong, I will take it back because I don't want to hurt anybody. Shanti, you said that 82% of teenage boys feel little ability or little responsibility to stop in a makeout situation. And so if you don't want to go all the way, it's better to not even start. Do you not understand how that enables date rape? It's not my fault that you said that. And maybe instead of going behind the scenes, trying to shut me up, you should just apologize for it. It's not a big deal. We were, everybody was saying that in 2006. So just apologize. You know, that's what Josh Harris did. It is not my fault that you said that your four-year-old son got aroused seeing a Victoria's Secret model or that a three-year-old got aroused seeing underwear. You did that, and that's not the proper way to talk about prepubescent sexuality, and I'm sorry it had to do with your son, but I wasn't the one who shared that information about her son. And believe me, I know I wrote a column for 12 years. When you have children, you have to watch what you put in print about them. But it is one thing to talk about children playing doctor and exploring and touching their genitals and masturbating. All of that is normal. Having adult sexual reactions to to adult bodies is not normal at four. It is a red flag for abuse. And you shouldn't have normalized that in so that you could claim that there was a male brain. And that's not my fault that you did that. But it needs to be taken back. And it's easy to do that. Just apologize. Just apologize and say you were wrong instead of trying to partner with misogynists. Like, like I said, I don't expect anything from Emerson Egerich, but Kevin Lehman, your book, Sheet Music, there's lots of it that's good. But you just shouldn't have said that people should give hand jobs and blow jobs when they're postpartum and on their period. Okay, there's no excuse for that. And the whole Mr. Happy thing, that's weird. Women don't like it. Just apologize. It's not a big deal. I know you guys are all talking behind the scenes about how to handle me. It's really easy. You just say, wow, we said some things we shouldn't have because we didn't know and we didn't realize and we were wrong. The reason I changed my mind is because I listened. Like, read the reviews of Great Sex Rescue. Read some of the things that are said on social media. Read the people who were seriously hurt. And Emerson Egrich, you are going to have so much to answer for when you see Jesus by all of the women who have been abused after reading Love and Respect. Emerson Egrich, you know what? <laughs> Saying 85% of men stonewall and 85% of stonewallers and male are not the same thing. And you should have known better. And the, way, the reason that you got away with that for 20 years is because nobody calls you out on stuff. So yeah, I'm calling you out. And, and because of that, you all think it's okay to go and partner with someone else who is misogynist. And I'm just really sad. And I want you to know something, all of you. If I don't get invited to conferences, I'm okay with that. Because one day I'm going to stand before Jesus and I'm going to be responsible for how I handled 
all of the women who came to me with their stories of how they were hurt because of how the evangelical church talks about sex. And I have tried my best to right this wrong. And you know, I'm being really emotional right now. I guess it's because it's my birthday weekend and I kind of feel like maybe I get to Maybe I just get to feel stuff sometimes. But there's so many people that are hurt. And you think it's better to conspire behind the scenes than to deal with that fact. And the thing that has bothered me the most this year, how can, how can the evangelical church be doing this? Like, where is Jesus? <laughs> Why do you think it's more important for men to be entitled to sex than for women to not be abused? And how has the evangelical church let this go on? And yeah, I'm going to be blacklisted by everybody. And I don't care because the kingdom way is that I listen to Jesus. Just please listen to the women. And I'm okay if you all see me as a threat and as someone who needs to be silenced. Because I don't answer to you. I answer to Jesus. And I feel responsible for the sheep. And when I get things wrong, I'm going to apologize. And then I'm going to make it right. And I think that's a better stand to take than just to say, oh, no, it's not the kingdom way to call people out. And then to go side with people who joke about women being untrainable and who call women disgusting and poison and arrogant. All right. Well, that was emotional. Yeah. Um, I've got my husband, Keith, on yeah. now. Yeah. I, I just want to say to you that I'm really impressed by how you've been handling all this because it's hard to keep your head when people are insulting you. As you all saw in the, uh, as you've been following this whole saga, um, Mark Gunger felt insulted when his beliefs were questioned. Um, and he called that being insulted and he called those people being toxic and that sort of stuff. Um, when they were talking about the issues and the ideas. However, he specifically attacked you and your personality. Mm -hmm. uh, and he called you like crazy, and he called you psychotic, and he said, sadly, you exist. And he was name-calling and insulting you specifically. And you mm -hmm. continued to respond with grace and patience and humility. As a, you know, the, the contrast in the, re in the responses was unbelievable. So I just think you should be really incredibly proud of yourself. I think you did a really good job and you were very measured with that. Thank you. Um, and I, I know that some people wish that I could stop talking about this, but... <laughs> you wish you could stop talking about yeah, this. Yeah, but you know... If people call you names, you got to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to take that kind of garbage because it is garbage and they shouldn't be saying things like that to you. Yeah, like I don't... Like when someone calls me crazy, I think I have... I think it's okay for me to say that, no, that's not all right. Yeah. And well, and the whole thing too, but he said that suddenly she thinks I'm insulting her sex life and... 
he says it came out of nowhere and lots of stuff. But like, he called you the patron saint of sexually unfulfilled women, right? And your response to that was to, it was to like, go with it. Like, oh, that's great. And you actually made a joke about it. You put yeah. it on your Twitter feed. Yeah. The patrons, according to Mark Gunger, the patron saint <laughs> of sexually unfulfilled women. Yeah. So like, you weren't taking it personal. Like, he mm-hmm. said something, t- which was insulting to you, but you didn't take it personally. You just yeah. went with it. Mm-hmm. Till that other person said, maybe she's unfulfilled because no one come to her with a 10-foot pole. Mm-hmm. That that was clearly like, yeah. way over the line. Yeah. And she herself said, this is probably way over the line. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 it's not. He yeah. encouraged her yeah. in that. So he's abusing you verbally, mm-hmm. and then he's encouraging other people to do that. And you consistently stayed level-headed through the whole thing. And then other people say, why don't you just stop talking about it? Yeah. It's just not fair. It's not right. That shouldn't be happening. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's what bothers me is in the middle of all this, everyone keeps saying, you're putting your pearl before swine. You know, you just need to leave them alone because they're not, they're never going to stop. And I know that's true. But at some yeah, point, no. I guess I just want, I just, I guess, and maybe I, I wouldn't normally oppose to this. I guess I'm just going a little weird because it's my birthday this week. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to say, no, you know, that hurt me. Yeah. Like it, well, and not not Mark in particular cuz that whole thing was really bizarre but just the fact that he was doing that and then all of these other authors decided to side with him anyway. Yeah. Like Well, it's like, it's like the bully on the playground, right? There are the people who are with the bully and helping doing the bullying. Uh-huh. And then there's the people who are just standing there and doing nothing. Yeah. And then there are the people who are saying, "No, this has to stop." Right? Yeah. And I just want to say to you who are listening, be one of the people that says, no, this has to stop. Don't say, oh, Sheila, just don't let it go to your heart and don't worry about it. Just let it roll off your back and those kind of things because that's exactly what they want you to do. The whole point of misogyny is to make women be quiet. So when you call a woman crazy, it's a way of dismissing her. So if you were to say, oh, okay, well, I'll just let it go and I won't say anything because I'm going to be the bigger person, then you're exactly letting them get away with the garbage that they're trying to do, which is to make women shut up. So don't shut up. I think you need to keep talking, and I think it's great what you're doing. And I think that you, you know, don't be discouraged if people don't stand up for you in your corner because a lot of people are just afraid to, and Mm -hmm. a lot of people just don't want to rock the boat, and it's more important to not rock the boat than to do what's right. And I think you should just keep doing what's right. I hope what people understand is I'm still a real person too. Yeah, and often what happens when you're in these kinds of situations where you're the, in essence, the smaller voice calling out the bigger one is you're, you're criticized so much for how you're doing it mm-hmm. that we're held to such a higher standard than mm-hmm. the others. Like, Shanti Felton had legitimate lies that mm-hmm. are easily proven to be lies in her statement about us. Mm-hmm. And no one's corrected her. For all I know, her publisher hasn't called her. No. This is a lot of stuff we've been, that's been going on behind the scenes. We know these people have been talking about us behind the scenes, but we could never talk about it because no. it wasn't public. And now it's actually public. Not all of it, but mm-hmm. but at least some of it is. And so I am going to move on. Yep. I, I am going to shake the dust off my feet. I And a lot of people are saying, why are you even responding to Mark? But again, it really was just the fact that he is taken very seriously in military communities. And... Yep. That has a special place in my heart now that my daughter's in a military family. Yeah. And frankly, if everyone who saw that it was bad did something, even if it was just Facebook mess, like Facebook comments or emails to chaplains or emails to their pastor who was hosting one of these things, if every single person who knew that it was wrong mm-hmm. did even a small thing, 
this kind of teaching would not be able to happen anymore. If the torch is taken from us, we will happily pass it up. Yes. So please take it. Because next month, we want to jump in and talk about Kegel exercises and pelvic floor health <laughs> and, and mother stuff and pregnancy because, of yes. course... Some people are still confused because I keep on putting notes everywhere. But yes, I am, in fact, incredibly pregnant. Yes. We don't know. I guess you can't see it. Sometimes in the video, oh. those of you who are watching... Yeah, we, there you and, go. And we've, had, yeah, we've had the ultrasound pick on the fridge for a couple of weeks, but nobody yeah. nobody no, noticed yet. But yeah. yes. So we're going to be talking about that. And, and I really hope no other crisis brews and we can just put our time towards that next Exactly. Because that would be really nice. So happy birthday to me. I yep. am feeling a lot better. I had a bit of a cry moment yesterday, as you guys all heard, but I am feeling better today. And looking forward to taking the day off tomorrow and having fun. And for those of you who are watching on YouTube, we have just a little bit of a... Of a of a treat. A special oh, guest. Look, it's our special guest. Hello. Do you want to say hi can to you, everybody? Can you wave? Can you say wave? have a good yeah, weekend? There's Alex. Have, a... <laughs> have a good weekend. That's as close as it gets. <laughs>